0: Chapter 24 of Quiet Hints to Growing Preachers in My Study This Librivox recording is in the public domain recording by Marianne Quiet Hints to Growing Preachers in My Study by Charles Edward Jefferson Chapter 24 Near to Men Near to God It is not good for a man to live alone he belongs to humanity and only in close relation with his fellows does he realize the life for which he was created the highest virtues and sweetest graces grow only in an atmosphere made warm by human fellowship. Isolation, like a blighting frost, nips spiritual aspirations in the bud. A man may be a pagan alone, he cannot be a Christian. It is where two or three are together that Christianity promises a life which is divine. A preacher of Christianity must live as close as possible to men. Isolation to him is fatal. If he has a disposition which shrinks from the society of others, his disposition must be born again. Young men, in whom the literary instinct is strong, and the literary ambition stronger still, sometimes enter the ministry determined to be strong, as they say, in the pulpit, and suppose that it is by the constant poring over learned volumes that pulpit greatness can be achieved. Shutting themselves up in their study, they proceed to dig in a dozen different fields of learning, leaving untouched the very field in which the pearl of great price is hid. It is with reluctance that they lay aside their books to go among their people, and every hour given to parochial visitation is bitterly begrudged. Among their books they are serene and happy, among God's children they are restless and forlorn." By pampering this disposition a man may come at last, to have a horror of entering the homes of his people, and may secretly despise the very souls he has sent into the world to love. Knowing men is the preacher's first and most important business. To know them he must be with them. It is not enough to know man, he must know men. He can study man in his library, but he must study men in his parish, it is one thing to know human nature as portrayed in books, and another thing to know it at first hand. Europe in books is not more different from the Europe which the tourist sees and hears and feels, than is the man whom we read about different from the man whom we meet in the streets. It is the man in the street whom the preacher must know, and if he does not know him, no other sort of knowledge will make him a successful preacher. There are two volumes to which a preacher must give his days and nights, his Bible and his parish. A knowledge of the second is not a whit less important than is a mastery of the first. According to the New Testament, the minister is a servant. His rank in the kingdom is determined by his proficiency in service. A man who desires to be great in the pulpit must be first of all a minister, and if he has an ambition to be chief, he must be the servant of all. If a preacher really deserves to serve his people, he will not count time lost which is spent in their company. The closer he comes to them, the larger his opportunity to give them what they need. What they are fearing and hoping, feeling and thinking, enjoying and suffering, loving and hating, reading and dreaming, all this can become known to him only as he comes into contact with them and to know these things is more important than to know nine-tenths of all the books can teach. It is because men love to luxuriate in the quiet air of delightful studies, and to suck the sweets of sweet philosophy, or are ambitious to shine as oratorical or literary stars, that they come to underestimate the value of pastoral visitation, and place a knowledge of books above the love of men. But it is for the preacher's own advantage that communion with his people may be most strongly urged. He needs the people even more than they need him. As a preacher he is maimed unless he have warm and tender sympathies, and how are these to be maintained unless he lives close to men? Men who aim to keep the Godward side of their soul open, while the manward side remains shut, aim at the impossible. It is the fundamental doctrine of the New Testament that we approach God only through humanity. According to Jesus, Right relations with man precede all the forms of worship. According to John, we know we have passed from death to life only when we love the brethren. If the world is to know that men are Christ's disciples because they love one another, then a minister's self-denying affection for his people is the one supreme test of his right to be counted a faithful servant of the Lord. From his parish he will glean ideas and also gather nutriment, with which to feed all his powers of feeling. One half day spent close to ordinary mortals will give a man more clear and helpful thoughts than can be found in the last learned book, no matter who the author. Men are better any day than books. They are written all over by the finger of God, and happy the man who can read this living revelation edited down to date. If a pastor neglects his people for his books, he pays dearly for his sins not only does he lose that keenness of sensibility and tenderness of sympathy which gives sparkle and warmth to the sermon but like a man who has lost his way he wanders in the realm of ideas foreign to the lives of his people his vocabulary will sound like that of a man from far-off regions by his mouth he is condemned he may try to induce his congregation to believe that he cares for it but the tell-tale words with which he builds his sermons will cry out against him Worst of all, he will have in his own heart a hunger which is never satisfied, and will find the satisfactions of the ministry grow less with the increasing years. The joy of life lies in one's relations with his fellow men. If a minister is not taking his people deeper into his heart, and if he is not constantly growing deeper into theirs, his life will grow increasingly monotonous, and he will be likely to be one of the notorious one hundred who apply for every vacant pulpit. To sit in one study grinding out great ideas, that to a young man seems the road to pulpit greatness. But in later years he learns that pulpit greatness is not the knack of playing with ideas, but the power of expressing a loving message in familiar words, and throwing around it an atmosphere of fire. In short, it is the gospel of love which the preacher is most in need of. Not until he loves is he truly born of God. IN THE GOVERNMENT OF NATIONS, SAID CROMWELL, THAT WHICH IS TO BE LOOKED AFTER IS THE AFFECTION OF THE PEOPLE. AND NO LESS IS TRUE IN THE GOVERNMENT AND LEADERSHIP OF CHURCHES. A RECLUSE MAY, BY UNUSUAL GIFTS OF SPEAKING, WIN A SHORT-LIVED ADMIRATION, BY EXTRAORDINARY PULPIT FEATS. BUT IT IS THE MAN WHO SINCERELY LOVES HIS PEOPLE, AND WHO IS SINCERELY LOVED BY THEM, WHO MOST SURELY MOLDS THEIR TEMPER AND TURNS THEIR FEET INTO THE WAY OF LIFE. End of chapter 24